church. Here we are again, thanking God for allowing us one more opportunity today to worship Him. And so let's give God all of our attention, uh, our mind, our heart, and our soul. It is great to see you here this evening, both members and visitors alike. We thank God for your presence with us this evening. Let's please go together to God in prayer. A great and mighty God in heaven, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you so very much for this opportunity to worship you. Thank you, Lord God, for Jesus who gave his life so freely. He gave his life so willingly that we might live. He might die that we might be saved. Thank you for that great matchless grace that you have given to us. Thank you for your mercy, for your care, and for your love. Please help us, Lord God, through our worship, that our minds will be focused only on you, that our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray to be thy will. Amen. Tonight I think it, it moves and has moved each of us as we um, you know, continue to hear now, echoing on the news, uh, the senseless killings that, you know, is going on. It's one thing, you know, we, you know, as adults, we just, we, when you, when you target children, that's a whole, it's a different issue, isn't it? Well, it doesn't, we've had so far in America, like 198 mass shootings, 27 or so have been uh, in schools and I want, I want you to focus tonight. I want you to make sure you know and remember as we look at the news and we hear, we hear bad news like this. I want to keep it, I want to keep it in the right, in the right mindset, if you will, the right focus. First thing we got to remember is the further that we walk away from God, the more that Satan is going to come in. And we might want to argue that all day long, but I'm telling you, church, we cannot. The second thing I want to bring out, and I'll come back to this at the end, God is still good. God is still good. So here's what Satan does. Satan demonstrates. If, if you had nothing else to talk about, we could talk about Satan, and we could say, you know, Satan is so evil and so mean and so wicked, and, so, and we could continue on. Those different adjectives about Satan, and we could... That's who he is. And the world doesn't see it. And sadly, some of the members of the body just don't see it. We just keep going over to him and living a life of sin. A couple weeks ago, 10 were killed in Buffalo, New York, in a supermarket. 19 killed about a week ago. When do you think this is going to, going to end? Satan is busy. What else do we know is going on? The Ukraine, right? The war is there. I mean, there's a lot of senseless killing that's going on, and it's going on, and it's going on. It's not going to stop because Satan is ruthless, right? He's hateful, and even innocent children are not off his radar. So I'm going to start in Exodus I want to show you the consistency tonight. We've been talking about Jesus for what? I don't know, the last 
eight, nine months. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Uh, we're going to pause for just a moment tonight and talk about Satan. Just to, just to look at this part of Satan, just this particular part of how he wreaks havoc on the world. Satan. So we go back to Exodus just to show you the consistency of his activity. Chapter 1 and verse 8 in Egypt. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and in the event of war, they also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So there's this fear, right? The fear in the hearts of humanity causes mankind to think about a way to defend themselves. Satan jumps in there. Verse 11. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor and they built for them for Pharaoh storage cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out, so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. Fear. Fear will drive you and drive Satan to do amazing things, wicked things, evil things. So they were afraid. So what's the solution? What is the solution to my fear? Verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sipara and the other Pua. And he said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. Why would you... Why would any person come up with the idea of killing children, innocent babies? Well, there's birth control, right? There's, there's, there's abortion. There, we, we don't, I don't know that we think as a world about what we're doing. We, we have murdered more babies and embryos and we have murdered more people, human beings, than you would ever imagine or think of. You go, wow, that's a lot of, there's a lot of abortions today. There, there's a lot of senseless killing in America. America the Great. What's happening to us? Well, the further we walk away from God, the more that we play into the hands of Satan. Right? Satan's a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's never going to stop. He's never, ever going to quit. It's not going to happen. Matthew, please, chapter 2. I'm going to show you his consistency. So we go from the old, we venture all the way into the new. And you know, with the birth of Jesus Christ, surrounding his birth and all the events that took place, there's a man named Herod. And Herod, same motive, the same motive, there's this fear that this Christ would be born. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning... In verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child 
to destroy him. Doesn't that sound kind of, it sounds kind of nice to say destroy him. No, he's going to murder him. He's going to murder the child. He's going to kill the innocent. And in verse 14, And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Fear. Look at verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all this environs from two years old and under according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. How many... How Does it matter how many? Who's behind it? Satan. Will he ever stop? Will he ever will he ever give in? Will he ever will he ever quit? I think I think a greater question is, when am I gonna stop playing his game? When will I stop going over there to being on his team? How how terrible, how terrible and vicious Satan is. Verse seventeen. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because there were no more. Let's go back to the Old Testament again. Back to the book of Job. You know Job, right? Here's Job. We read his account. We understand his account. We're going to chapter 1. That, that he was a man who served and honored God, and yet that was something that Satan did not like. So Job first takes all of his material blessings, and later on he's able to, uh, if you will, afflict him with, with illness and, and troubles. And in the middle of taking all of his material stuff, what, is, what does Satan do? And I love the fact that in Job, you see in Job you can go back and look. When you're having trouble in life, and you're asking the question, and sometimes we ask that question, where are you, God? God hasn't moved. He's right there. We can go back to the book of Job and realize and remind ourselves, oh, wait a minute, this is Satan at work. We can remind ourselves that Satan is busy on me for whatever reason, but it's Satan who is at work. And so we could, as God's people, no longer ask the question, where are you, God? But rather make the statement, God is good anyhow. Right? So, if you will, verse 18, the Bible in Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. While it was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the, wor- the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they died. And I rose and have escaped to tell you. Kill the children. Satan. See, kill the children and then get the children of God to blame God. Kill the children and then get the people of the world to blame God. To ask the question, well, where is God? They start questioning us this week or maybe next week or the weeks to come. You're going to be asked the question, you know, you serve this supposedly good, supposedly good God. Well, why does he allow these 
you take the opportunity to talk to them about Satan. And you serve, sir. <laughs> Maybe you may not be so pointed, but, you know. You serve, sir, the one who's behind all of this. It's Satan. Right? That's who it is. So we have to remember and, and witness and, and, and understand that Satan is forever busy. And he will not stop. Job 2, verse 7. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a pot shirt and scraped himself while he was sitting among the ashes. When I was um, younger in the faith, I'd hear that question a lot. You know, where is God? When tragedy strikes, where is, where is God? There was always a time they asked that question. Where where is God? When difficult times came in people's lives, they would ask, where, where is God? And these were church members that were asking, you know, God, please help us, oh God. And, you know, where, where are you, God? And then the world, the world would ask. And I, I think that I learned maybe through, through my faith that maybe many tr- Christ, uh, children of God, Christians, don't really believe that that's all Satan. Because I even heard the argument at one time, well, you know, God is in complete control, right? So then he allowed all of this to... And it was like somehow this shift to, from Satan to God. It was like this, this excuse. This thing that says that God really is kind of evil, right? And, and Christians believe that by the way they spoke about God or the situation. Instead of stepping back and saying, well, wait, 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 wait. That's all Satan. Yeah, but God's in control. Wait, well, back up for a minute. Let's think about this for a minute. Yes, God's in control. God gave us free will. And it's we who are living evil and wicked lives. If God were to strike all the evil people dead right now, all of us would be dead. But instead, God wants us to change and love and be kind and gentle and generous and all the wonderful it's not god it's satan and then let's narrow it down it's us satan's not going to stop satan will not give in regardless of what people say about god and how they blame god for all the ugliness that exists in the world today job tells us god is good anyhow job chapter 1 verse 20 Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job didn't know. But we do. Because God has made it clear to us. Please turn to Psalm chapter 34. God has made it clear to us. This should increase our faith and our love for God because we know that God is not evil and God is not like that. God is full of love and compassion. God is good all of the time. But how is God good all of the time? Well, this we could spend a long time discussing how God is good all of the time. But let me just give you a few scriptures. Psalm 34 and verse 8. The Bible says, O taste and see 
that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. We take refuge in Him. That means shelter. Why do you need shelter? We need shelter, well, just our everyday living, right? Thank you, God, for that, for our homes, for our food, our clothing, and our shelter. We take shelter when we're in danger. And God is the shelter, the refuge for people who will come to Him. And He takes us all willingly at every moment and every second of the day, regardless of who we are or who we were. God is always good. James tells us in chapter uh, 1 and the verse 17 that God is one who is consistently good all of the time and never changes, right? There's, there's no shifting with God. James 1, please, in verse 17. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift, every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from God. Everything you have that you consider good, that we can uh, surmount as good, everything that you have that is good and perfect came from God. All the bad stuff then comes from where? It comes from Satan and ourselves. God is good regardless of what people say about Him. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God is consistently good. And Satan, turn to Psalm, please, chapter 84. Satan is consistently evil. God is consistently good, and Satan is consistently evil. You can count on Satan to be evil all of the time. And you can count on God to be good all of the time. How many of us believe that? See, that's the question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Psalm 84, verse 11. The Bible says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's a lot. Right? How much time do you want to spend on that one? That's a lot. This is, this is who our great God is. In church, when there is temptation, Psalm 136, please, that comes our way and there's that, that temptation to go the other way, to walk away from God or the temptation to... Uh, to do something that's evil, stop for a moment and pray to the perfectly good God, thanking Him for today and asking Him, begging Him, God, be my shelter in this time of my temptation. Verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Let me tell you something to my shame. I remember reading Psalm 136 over and over again over and over again. And then I thought, well, let me figure out how I can read this. And, you know, I want to shorten it up a little bit. Uh, and then I saw, I started reading it and I wrote, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the, the, the God of, of the gods uh, for, and I skipped for his loving kindness everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of Lord. And I'm like, you know, you're missing the point. You start skipping the repeat of the refrain 
For his loving kindness is everlasting. And you missed the whole point. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Now you stop for a moment and you say, okay, here's what God has done for me. And you start writing your list. Here's what God has done for the universe. Here's what God has done for the world. Here's what God has done for my family. You start going down the list and you, you just exhaust the idea that God is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Now we go back and say, oh, thank you, God, for rescuing me from idolatry. Because in idolatry, they too killed all the babies. And you go down the list and look at how evil idolatry is. And yet God has rescued us from idolatry. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. There are a lot of lords out there. A lot of folks want to be in charge. There are a lot of lords out there. Putin thinks he's a lord right now, right? He's bombing all the people. Thank God he gets rid of tyrants in its time. And in his time, give thanks to the Lord of lords. There's only one Lord. Thank God that we know him. But better than that, thank God that he knows us. For his loving kindness is everlasting to him alone who does great wonders for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who made the heavens with skill for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who spread out the earth above the waters for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who made the great lights for his loving kindness is everlasting the sun to rule by day for his loving kindness is everlasting the moon, the stars to rule by night for his loving kindness is everlasting. And it goes on to talk about how God destroyed the enemies of his people. Okay, let's, let's, let's close this lesson out with two passages. One in Ephesians chapter 2. How good is God? Better than we will truly ever understand. Though we, we think about the word good, and we, we use the word good, but it's kind of hard to use the word good in reference to God and the way that we use the word good in reference to our human lives, right? That was a really good dinner. I had a really, had a nice time. I enjoyed myself. Thank you for that. You know, you, that deed that you did was really good. We start using that. We use it. But that's not the same, the same application when you think about how good God is. So verse 1 of Ephesians 2. Let me show you how good. You know this already. Let me remind you. And you. Tony, you. You'd gone the wrong way. You, you, were, you were living in, in wickedness and evil. You, you made your own choices, your own decisions, and you did some bad things. Tony, you were, you were, you, you all putting your name in there, right? Yeah. Y'all think we just talking about me here tonight. <laughs> you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the Prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So, Tony, you followed Satan. You were one of his children. You lived for him for many years of your life. You were totally against God. Among them, we too all 
formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, if you've been angry at someone, you have, right? I have. Have you been angry to the point to where you would declare it wrathful? That's where we were. So here's God in wrath toward me. But God, verse 4, is good all the time. God is rich. God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Now, how much, how much grace do you have when you are brought to a wrathful state of mind? Romans chapter 5. God is good all of the time. So as we pick up, I call it depression TV, right? And you start reading about what's going on in our world. Just keep reminding yourself, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Continue to remind yourself that God is good all of the time. Even when we're His enemies. And He saved us. When? When did He save us? Not when we could save ourselves. He saved us when we were helpless. Verse 6. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would even dare die. Yeah, we kind of see that, don't we? How many heroes are out there in the world today? Jesus. 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 Jesus died for a wicked person, me. When I was in a helpless state, when I refused, and when he was on the ground on his back and they put the nails in his hand, he said something strange. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, I read that verse, I go, Father, they know what they're doing. They do it all the time. They don't care. But I'm not God. But one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, while I was a sinner, when He was on that cross, He had my name on His heart. And he died for me. 
And if you don't feel like you owe God, I think we're missing the the point. I think we're missing the true message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The application is upon me. And so while this world is involved in all this just ruthlessness, this senseless killing, it is God who is still loving us all along the way. Let us do the best that we can as God's people to bring goodness to the world. Kindness and gentleness, meekness and love, compassion and mercy. Let us be what God is. Let us be more like God every day. And let us remind the world, let us teach the world that God is good all the time. This lesson tonight is yours. I hope and pray something was said to encourage you in your walk of faith. If you're not a Christian, we invite you to surrender to God in the waters of baptism tonight that God might wash all of your sins away. If you would need, uh, need prayers or would like prayers made on your behalf, make that known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.